All right. Welcome to Bible class this morning. Uh, we're going to have to get jump in. There is so much information to cover, so much to learn through here. You would think that for only five chapters in James that you could get through it study-wise very quickly. And I'll tell you just from my own viewpoint and studying it myself, there is he packs so much into this letter. Uh, he makes Paul look long-winded, just honestly. So um, James itself is a good guideline for us as Christians how to live every day. So let's, we're going to look at it in that uh, point of view and, and just take it apart and see how it applies to us. Uh, we have already had one class so far, but we didn't get very far into it. And we're not going to get that far into it today because there's so much to unpack. So very first thing is, as people are still coming in, and, and James is just walking so slowly to his seat. Yeah, I see you. Okay, we're going to start in prayer here so uh, we can kind of get the right mindset, okay? So join with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity that we have. That, And I would ask that you would help us to be eager to learn your word and dive into it. We know that uh, everyday life just gets so busy and, and we get distracted with other things. But right now, Lord, allow us to open our hearts and minds and to really look at your word and, and apply it to ourselves, that we can take it home and, and use it every day. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us, and, and we hope that we can show our love to you as well. We thank you so much for your son, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, so just a very fast review, okay? Chapter 1, uh, diving into it, we, it's written by James. James who? Well, we are accepting the fact that this is James, the son of Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry, the brother of Jesus. This is where my I'm talking faster than my brain is processing here. I, I apologize. Okay, James, brother of Jesus. All right. So, um, written approximately uh, 42 to 60 years uh, A.D., uh, written to who? Well, James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. But at that time, Christians were scattering because persecution was starting. Why was persecution starting? Because they were calling themselves Christians. They were going against what, the, at that time, the, the priests, scribes, and Pharisees, and others uh, holding on to the old law, they saw these new people, these new Christians, as Blasphemous as going against God's old law, and so they were actively pursuing them. If you'll remember, Paul was one of those. His uh, former name being Saul, he sought out these Christians and was putting them into jail. He was arresting them. He, he was one of the worst offenders there. All right, so these Christians now, even the government's getting in on this. The officials and all are going after these people. Um, Persecuting them, a lot of it's for sport. Arresting them, putting them in with animals and making them fight for their lives and, and things like that. So, so what happens when you're persecuted? Well, it's human nature to fight or flight. So they leave. They're not going to fight, but they're going to leave. And they start scattering throughout there to, to get away from these uh, centers of persecution. Now, it's still following them and it's still happening but they're trying to get away from the worst of it. 
So James recognizing this and hearing back from the churches, now I, I use that word church uh, loosely because it's just groups of Christians that are worshiping and, and being together and they're scattered abroad. But he's hearing back just very much like we would as, as the church here, we might hear from, from our group of brothers in Soldatna or Homer or Ketchikan or wherever our our numbers are scattered here in the state or even in across the nation or world. We all have connections out there, don't we? And so we hear things and we pass them forward. So he's writing to them. Encouragement, maybe a little bit of correction there, some things that are happening that, that he's not happy about, and he's saying, hey, you got to make some changes here, so let me help you there. Um, all right, so... Very first thing in in our review is is consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Well, okay, being happy in your trials, being happy in your troubles, being happy when things are happening to you, maybe when you're persecuted. We ourselves don't have much feeling for persecution, do we? Because honestly, we have it easy. We have it so easy, and we take that for granted and we forget it. Okay, we are free to worship here this morning. We don't have people standing outside ready to hurl even insults and mock us, okay, let alone hurt us physically. We have it easy, and we forget that. But when trials come, what do we do? We need to, to lean into that and get through it because at the same time, we're going to be learning. We're going to be learning, and if we lean on God, then we're going to get through that, and we're going to be even better than we were before, all right? How many times have you gotten through a very hard situation in life? Something that you thought was just about going to kill you. Whether it was health-wise or spiritually or emotionally. And and you thought, I can't go on with this anymore. But you get through it because what? You persevere. You endure. And that's... In chapter 1, he talks about that so much. That endurance, that perseverance. Just like an athlete continuing on and training you get through that you learn you learn what it takes to 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 continue on and you get through it and you look back and you go okay i made it you know wipe your brow thank god and go on because the very next time you get to another situation you're like okay i can do this i can do this with god we're never alone in these things never and we forget that so many times he talks about prayer. So during these times of, of hardship or such, what are we supposed to do? Talk to God. Very simple. Talk to God. No matter where you are, what situation you're in, talk to God. We forget that so often, don't we? Even in our busy everyday life, we forget to talk to God. And it can be so simple as, you know, Lord, I'm having so much trouble here. Help me. What that means is you're opening yourself up to God and voicing, expressing those things. Here in America, and maybe the world over, but mostly in America, I think, how often do we pay somebody to go and talk to them? Counselors, therapists, doctors. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Uh, I'm putting that out right now. There's, there's nothing wrong with that because we need the help sometimes. Sometimes we need to sit across a person and, and just tell them 
uh, of what's going on in our life and somebody that's not going to judge us because that shuts us down really quick, doesn't it? Somebody judging us. And we're, we're so afraid of even our friends judging us, our family judging us, our, our fellow brothers and sisters judging us, which we know is wrong anyway. And James touches on that as well. We'll get, we'll get to parts of that. We've heard lessons on it lately. Tony's brought some wonderful lessons that I suggest you look back into the archives uh, for yourself, uh, either as the podcast or the video, and go through those. They're amazing lessons uh, on about judgment and judging others. And don't do it. Okay? That's the point. Don't do it. All right. But back to our, our point. Pray to God. Pray to God. If you, if you have trouble talking to somebody else, talk to God always. Um, let's see here. Three. Now, um, at that time, there was a problem with rich oppressing the poor. Okay, so James was telling us, and maybe in some assumption or, or knowledge he had, that a lot of those that were out there that he's talked to are, are the poor. Okay, um, which Jesus was bringing the message to anyway. Those are the ones he was targeting. Why? Because the rich, the rich were comfortable. I don't need this. I've got everything I need. You know, I've got a comfortable life. I got food. I got a house. I got. I don't need anything else. This God you're talking about? Nah, I don't need him. I'm okay. You know, they were too self-sufficient. Now, the poor, the humble, the lowly. All those words there that, that kind of fit in, they needed help. All right, how many times do we, when we're in trouble, need help? Okay, well, they were hearing this message from Jesus, and then after Jesus uh, uh, left, then they're hearing it from other leaders, and, and maybe in their synagogue, uh, people speaking the words of Christ, and they're taking this in. They're like, this applies to me? I have hope. You know, I can... And the biggest message we're going to see again and again, too, is love thy neighbor. Okay? That encompasses so much. Okay. If you love your neighbor, who's your neighbor? Everyone around you. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter status. It doesn't matter rich or poor. They are your neighbor, and you are to love them. It doesn't say... Will love this person, but it doesn't matter if you if you love that person or not. It says love your neighbor, and that's everybody. All right. Um, temptation. He gets into you know some people when they're going through a hardship, they feel tempted. They say, "Why did God do this to me?" Well, he addresses that. He says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, this was not from God. This was you." This is what you have inside you that you have to control and understand. That these temptations that you're facing and, and a lot of times giving into, that's you. That's not God. Because everything good comes from God. He's not sitting there laying traps in front of you waiting for you to fall. He wants you to succeed. Okay? Think of... of possibly your own parents or or friends that wanted you to succeed they're not up there trying to trip you they're trying to get you through the things so that you can come out positive on the other end god's the same way he wants us to love him 
if he wants us to love him, why would he put traps and temptations in front of us? Now, a lot of times we just blame the devil. All right? Well, we've heard in Tony's lessons as well that that's not the case. It's from us inside. It's our nature. And some people have more trouble with it than others. I'll just, I'll just say that out there. What, what temptation I might have that, that is, uh, I can, I can, that's not, that's easy. I can control that. For somebody else might be huge. Okay, we're all different. That's one reason why we don't judge each other, because we're all different. You know, my standard is not your standard, but we should be under God's standard. Um, all right, now, that's our review. Quick, fast, let's get into it. James, we're still in chapter 1, and... I am not going to read the verses. I'm going to hope that you did it yourself. So if you have your Bible and want to follow along, James chapter 1, we are beginning in verse 19. Like I said, there's so much to cover. i got to go fast, and I know I'm missing things, and I apologize. But this is for you to study as well. James chapter 19, you know this, okay? Very first thing he says, you know this. Hey, listen up. My beloved brothers and sisters, now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. All right. Just in those two verses right there, there is so much to unpack. Anger. All right. It can be annoyance. It can be irritation. It can be anger. Just outright emotional. That's an emotional response, isn't it? How many times... Have you in your day-to-day life just maybe something very simple? You can get a little irritated and get a little annoyed or even just that one little pinprick and it just triggers you to bring out that full rage. Okay, we talk about road rage. I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced that. All right, driving around, somebody cuts you off, somebody gets too close, they weren't paying attention. Maybe you weren't paying attention and you're blaming them. Okay. But how many times does that anger make us forget who we are, even to the person next to us, co-workers, or even worse yet, family members? How many times do we take it out on them? You know, and it may be even our fault that that situation happened. But just that quick flare-up, and we've just said things that we want to take back, you know, and it's so hard to take those back once they're out. You know, we're going to see uh, in later verses here about, he talks about the tongue. How many times does our tongue get us in trouble? Oh, I, I would never be able to count those times for myself, okay? It happens to all of us, all right? You're not alone. I'm not alone. We're all in this together because we all basically have the same behaviors many times because this is a behavior. You know, you know people who have, have just continued patience and then you know people who fly off the handle at the drop of a hat all right and and maybe you're in between there but how many times just does anger control us we say things we do things that we don't really maybe mean that we have to control in ourselves and then when that when that match is lit we just let it go we act like a bombshell 
All right, he's warning against that. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. How many times have we disproved God's word just by opening our mouths in anger? Do sometimes people look at you and go, Whoa, you say you're a Christian? You're not showing it. All because of anger. Okay, 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, removing it. How do you do that? Repent. Let it go. Okay, ask for forgiveness. Because when you ask for forgiveness, what happens? God lets it go. He does not remember it. All right? You start fresh. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. I like that word implanted because in my mind, if, if you remember last week, I like picture stories. In my mind, God's word has been put into my heart. And if I nurture that and let it grow then it's going to grow just like a vine and it's going to wrap around me and I'm going to become a part of that word or that word's going to become a part of me. All right? That's my picture. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. Don't be superficial. All right? Appearing to be real or sincere until somebody examines you closely. Be doers of the word. Just do it. They built a whole commercial on that, didn't they? Some of us older, we remember that. Just do it. Okay, get out there and do it. Be active. Don't just sit around and go, okay, I hear this. It's good. Okay. You know, don't be a bench warmer. Get out there and do something. Now, he's going to talk about that quite a bit more for once okay for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror for once he has looked at himself and gone away he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was okay don't be superficial even our actions not just the person can be superficial we can fake sincerity We can fake putting on a good face. We can fake being a good Christian. And he's saying, don't do that. Be real. Be a doer of the word. All this stuff, even as you're sitting there taking this in, you know, putting it into your life, are you acting it out the way it's intended? Are you a fake Christian? Are you a bench warmer? Well, we're going to see see more about that. Okay. So, but one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom. What's that? Do you have a do you have a book of law? Yeah, it's the Bible. It's right in front of you. You've got it in your hands. It's God's word. It's Christ's words. It's that promise that He has made to us to get us home to be back with Him. That's the law of freedom. That's the law for us. And has continued in it. All right, continued. Do you remember earlier he talked about perseverance? All right, continuing on, getting through those hard times. You have to continue in it to reach the end. If you don't, the implication is I don't get home. If I leave work and I'm driving down the road 
and I just stop the car, then that means I'm not getting to getting home. If I take a side trip, I'm not home. If I travel somewhere else, I'm not home. I'm not home until I actually get there. And I, that can always be stopped, okay, by our actions, by our behavior. So you have to continue in it until you get home. Now, for us, that seems like a long ways off, doesn't it? Oh, my. Uh, this is going to take forever. And I'm going to have to face so many trials. Yes, that's life. That is life. Things happen. Bad things happen. Good things happen. But we've got to continue through those and persevere to get home. And it's continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer. This person will be blessed in what he does. Okay, does that mean that if I'm going to be blessed in, in what I do and persevere, then that means my life is rosy, isn't it? Every day is going to be wonderful. Oh, it's just going to be so smooth. No, it's not. It, remember those times when everything's good? And everything clicks and you're successful and you get comfortable and what happens? You forget God. You start taking things for granted. You forget who there is watching you and who's walking along beside you. And you start thinking, well, I can do this. I've got this. I can do things amazing. And then you forget God. Okay, so being an active doer implies something it implies an action you got to do something and it's not one and done well i did this and i'm done now i can sit back and and rest on my laurels and and i checked off that box no that's being a bench warmer that's just sitting back going okay i put on christ in baptism that was my action and and i'm good now i can go out and just I can be a nice person, and uh, that's good enough. No, it's not. You have to be an active doer. It's not one time and you're done. Check it off. It's continuously. So as an active, active doer is someone who gets out there and does things, okay? Now, we're afraid of that, aren't we? So many times in, in, in when we talk about work or service, we're afraid. Well, they're going to make me preach something or or they're going to make me lead a prayer or or I don't want to do singing or ah we go to the big things don't we and we say I can't do those well you know what every person starts at the bottom and builds up as a as a baby did you know how to work on a car immediately you know did you know how to work a computer could you cook no, you started learning, and it took a long time, didn't it? You know, some people more natural than others, but it took a long time. And that's the same thing in, in the body of Christ. We start small. You know, we like to train our young men to uh, start leading prayers or reading scriptures, you know, serving on the Lord's table here, just, just doing something, doing something. And not all the time is it in front of other people. You know, there's people that that we never see that are working behind the scenes. 
Think of all those that when we have a fellowship meal, how many are cooking in there? You know, how many are cleaning up afterwards? How many are putting away the tables? What about when it snows and they're out there shoveling the walkway for us? Or they're spreading sand or gravel or ice melt? All these little things that are taken care of. And so many times we don't see. You know, right now Jerry's at the front just watching the doors for us. He's serving. People do these things all the time and we don't see. Are you a part of that? If you are, thank you so much. We just need people to help. Why? Because we're not one person. We're a family. And we rely on each other for these things, for help, you know, or for us to help them. One of the best things you can do is is serve other people. Love your neighbor. How do you do that? Taking them a meal, checking in on them, giving them a phone call, a text, write a card for them. You know, anything, just saying, hey, I see you. I know you're there. And at times when you need help, saying, help. And there are so many people ready to reach out to you because they want to serve. They want to work. They want to be a doer. This means putting God's word into action every day, not just on Sunday. Okay? It means every day. And in thinking of these, it doesn't take acts of huge boldness. Okay? We see Tony up here all the time. We love Tony. He has some amazing lessons. And I got to tell you, I, I, me being up here, uh, I totally feel inadequate. Okay? I can sit up here and just blabber for a while. And I apologize for that. And I hope you get at least something out of it. But Tony is such an amazing speaker. And he can put God's word in such eloquent, easy to understand terms for us. Okay, God gave him that skill. Did he give it to him when he was 20? I don't think so. If you've heard Tony, he, he wasn't, wasn't in the body at that time. Okay, he was fighting it. But these things, as we, as we start... We build up. God's going to give you the skill set that you need to serve him. And if you push your boundaries a little bit and expand a little bit at a time, and yes, it might be uncomfortable, but he's going to help you through that. Why? Because you're serving him. When you serve others, when you love others, you are serving and loving him. And that's the whole plan there. Okay. So God gave you skills, work within your skill set, expand, and do something. All right? doesn't matter if you're just picking up trash off the floor after services. Do something. All right. Now, at this point, James transitions to a whole other topic. All right? Verse 19. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Well, I think I got ahead of myself. Oh, um, for man's anger does not bring about righteousness. Okay. See, I told you last week I get caught up on stuff. All right. But deceives his own heart. This Okay. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, 
this person's religion is worthless. That refers back even to uh, uh, 19. All right? Bridling your tongue, your anger. Think of how many times your anger loosens that tongue. All right? But it goes even further than that. Now he's talking about your belief, your religion. What is religion? It's your belief. It's what you believe. It's what you practice. Being a hearer and a doer is a part of your religion and your belief. Does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. Okay? I'm fine. You know, I'm a good person. I'm fine. How many times do we fool ourselves? And not just about our beliefs, but about how we act or how we treat other persons. You know, oh, it was their fault. How many times is it actually our fault? And with all that, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. So if you're not acting right, your religion, the way you act and and believe, is worthless. Do you portray that to other people around you? At work? At home? At Fred Myers? How do you act around other people? Do you act like the false Christian? Or do you act like the true Christian you, you need to be? Now, we'll be talking about uh, the tongue even more a little bit later on. That, that has some s- special meaning for me because today, we, we, that's a big problem for all of us. And social media hasn't helped that. And we're going to discuss that later on. Behaving as we believe. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be that false Christian that, that says, you need to do it this way. But your actions are showing something completely different. Do as I say, but don't do as I do. All right? Sometimes even as parents, we can, we can slip up on that. You know, what example do we have for our children? All right? At all times in our life, every day, we have got to admit when we are wrong. Both to each other and to God. Remember earlier we said repent, let it go? All right. Don't be a hypocrite. Harsh word, but that can apply to us anytime. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. What James is doing right there is he's simplifying it for us. Okay, remember, this is a guidebook for everyday behavior for a Christian. So he's simplified it. If I give you a, a booklet that's, that's 50 pages long and say, read this, this is what you need to know to, to do this job, you know, okay, I don't know if I got time, I really don't want to. And how many of us just put those direction books and instruction books aside so, oh, I can do this, I'll fumble my way through it. Or if we get this little quick start guide that gets us on the road, you know, turn it on here, set these dials, and you're in business. We're likely to read that, aren't we? Well, that's what James is doing here, he's simplifying it. He may be oversimplifying it, but it's good for us. He's simply stating that in Christian everyday behavior, he's putting into three very important actions. 
guarding the tongue, okay, which we're going to talk about a lot more, guarding the tongue, caring for the helpless, and holy living. All of these take action to do every day. This is what we need to be doing every day. If you follow these three steps every day, then you are doing what you need to. Behavior matters. Behavior is so important because it's what you're showing those around you. It's what you're showing the world. It's what you're showing God because he sees everything. Okay? You know, maybe during the middle of the week I've been an awful person, but I can come here this morning and, and I can say, Hi, Celia, how you doing? And I can portray myself as just the nicest person and polite and, and, you know, I actually, you know, showered and cleaned up this morning, you know. But maybe we need to think about that every day. Even just these three simple actions. Watching our tongue, caring for the helpless, and holy living. That's what we need every day. Behavior matters, and behavior is an action. It's what you do. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Okay, that gets us into chapter 2. So, let's go. We're going to read this really quickly. So, I hope you have your Bibles open and follow along. Chapter 2 of James. My brothers and sisters, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and is dressed in bright clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the bright clothes and say, You sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, You, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my brother, my beloved brothers and sisters, did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the good name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as violators. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles in one point, has become guilty of all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a violator of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith? But he has no works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, 
Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled. Yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to acknowledge, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless? Was our father Abraham not justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was Rahab the prostitute not justified by works also when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead. That one chapter packs so much into it for our daily life. Every bit of this applies to us. Okay, so let's start unpacking it. Verse 1 there. My brothers and sisters, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude, an attitude of personal favoritism. What kind of attitude do you have every day towards others? For if a man comes into your assembly... Okay, I'm going to paraphrase this last bit. Okay, let's look at ourselves. A medium-sized congregation, we're comfortable, we've got heat, we've got lights, we've got carpet, nice chairs, you know, and we're ready. And, And most of you, if not all of you, I know, or I have at least seen several times, and I've probably met... You know, so we're comfortable with each other. And then in walks some people. And the first guy's a rich guy. And he drove up in a nice sports car, and his wife's with him, and they're dressed very well. You know, and he's, he's got uh, a bit of jewelry on, and, and she does too. And, and they're just very nice, and, and uh, we're ready to greet them, you know, help them find a seat, you know. This guy, is, is, his heart's been pricked. He just wants to hear the gospel, you know, so we're excited. You know, we want him there. You know, maybe he's a successful businessman, maybe even a CEO of a company. You know, he succeeded in life, and, and how many times are we drawn to that? And then right behind him, this, this poor, maybe, maybe an immigrant even, comes in, and he's got just the clothes on his back, you know, but... His heart's also been pricked, and he wants to hear the gospel of Christ. Do we treat them differently? I say yes. We are guilty of that many times. And that's a challenge for us, isn't it? That so many times, even by appearance, we will judge somebody. And in that judgment, we have just sinned. Because... Both of those men are our neighbors. 
And Paul is saying, do not show favoritism. Do not pick out one from the other. You know, now it's a natural, natural part of being human that we have favorites. You know, we have best friends, we have BFFs, and, and we have those that we like better than others, and, and those that we congregate more with, and those that we talk to more. And, and you've seen so often, even in church, that leads to, to what's called cliques. You know, little special groups that associate with themselves. You know, and, and elderships are always, leaders of the church are always worried about that. They're always talking about that and saying, okay, we got to mix this up. we got to find some way to break up these cliques. It happens here. But what about this favoritism? Do you show favoritism within the body of Christ? James says, do not do that. I think it's a message that we have to hear all the time as well, even in this congregation. Now, I'm not saying we are guilty of it. I'm saying we can be guilty of it too. It's just a fact. It's something that we have to work on. And it's a question for you that you have to answer yourself. I can't do it for you. You have to. You have to ask yourself, do I ever show favoritism to, to a stranger walking in? Do I ever shun somebody because of the way they look? It's something for you to work on. All right. Verse 4. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Judging somebody? How often do we do that? Okay. Too often. More often than we even want to admit, right? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Okay, if you're taking notes, put this verse down. Luke chapter 6, verse 20 through 26. In your own studies, I want you to go back to that and read it. But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? He brings this out because he has heard stories that this is what is happening to these people that are abroad. Okay? He's staying in Jerusalem, but he's hearing all these things. He's trying to encourage them and get them to change their own behavior. So apparently these, some of these people are being oppressed, even taken to court, by those that are rich. Okay? In inferring also those with power. Uh, usually we associate rich, wealth, and power all together. Okay? Now, I, I need to uh, clarify something here when we, we talk about rich and all. There is nothing wrong with having money. If God has blessed you that way, then wonderful. Okay? And, and I, I hope I will not treat you different than I would anybody else. You know, but it's, it's getting back to attitude. What do you do with that money? That's what God's looking at. Are you serving him? Are you hoarding it for yourself? Are you placing yourself above others? Or through that blessing that God has given you, are you reaching out to other people and helping them? Now, so many times we don't know what each, we do for each other. And that's the way it should be. We do not, I do not have to stand and say, hey, hey, look what I'm doing. Okay, that's not what God wants. He 
wants us to do everything in every service that we have. He wants it to be in a humble way, not promoting ourselves, but saying, because of God, I can help here. All right? Okay, I just want to make that that clear. When we start talking about, because he's going to bring it up uh, uh, some more. When, we, when he's talking about rich people, these are, are rich people, not necessarily brothers and sisters, but those around them that are oppressing others. And he's saying, that's got to stop. But maybe it is in the groups that they are in. We've seen, you know, even in Paul's letters, he's talking to other congregations. There were, they are, they've got sin. They are doing awful things in there. And he's saying, stop. That's not right. So perhaps even in this situation, James is saying that as well. He's saying whatever's going on there between, you know, the poor and the rich, that's got to stop. All right, we're almost out of time here, and and so let's see if I can talk even faster. Do they not blaspheme the good name by which you have been called? What are you called? Christian. You are a, a son or daughter of Christ, with Christ to God. All right, you are a Christian. That is the name by which you are called. But by doing these these terrible actions, they are going against that name. They're blaspheming it. Okay? All right, got to stop there. I'm sorry. Um, we will take it up next week. Please read James. Five chapters. goes very quickly. Read it through. Uh, if you've got questions, hit me up. You know, sometime during the week, I'll try and answer those and get going. You're dismissed. Let's get ready for worship.